All right, huddle up, huddle up. We're gonna crank these engines up on one, on one. All right. What did he? What did he set? Drivers, start your engines. This is the finish line. I approached a great offensive lineman in the past. Larry Little, Dwight Stevenson, Jim Langer, all Hall of Famers, and Richmond Webb belongs in that same group. Here are your hosts, legendary Miami Dolphins left tackle Richmond Webb, Reason, and Mr. Ballgame. What's good, Fin Nation? What's good? We welcome you back in to another episode of the finish line part of the Believe Podcast Network. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason, joined by the Triple OG, Mr. Ballgame, and the living legend himself, the best left tackle to ever play for the Miami Dolphins, Mr. Richmond Webb. Gentlemen, it's it's been a real good week if you're a Dolphin fan, other than the raw stuff. It's been a really, really good week. Um, if you're, you know, if you've been a believer of Tua, if you've been a believer in this team and what they can accomplish potentially. In 2022, we came away with joint practices with a lot of positive stuff, and we'll get into that. But how are you guys doing this week as we embark on another episode, guys? Doing good. I I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, How you guys doing? But um, just to kind of echo what you were just saying, Reason, um, you know, you look at Twitter, you look at the excitement, you look at uh, the joint practices with Tampa Bay. Uh, even listening to some of their players comment about our receivers, you know, having to cover those guys, this and that, uh, the way Tua has been throwing the football. <clears throat> and I, I think it's um, really a surprise to a lot of um, the, the fan base that really wasn't really high on Tua. I think, you know, uh, with this new regime, head coach, you know, the veterans, the, the uh, veteran coaching staff, the, the people that he brought in and um, understanding this kid's skill set and, and how to how to maximize his potential. I think it was always been there. But, um, you know, with this new staff coming in and then with the additions of like Tyreek Hill and you see, you know, Waddle, everybody's making progression. But I think one of the bigger keys that a lot of people don't pay attention is look like they're really having fun uh, playing football. And, and that's I think that's a huge deal because it just helps with your mental. Uh, it's a long season. It's tough, hard grind. But if you're happy coming to work and, you know, excited about being there, that makes the world a difference. So, um, like I said, it, it's not a surprise to me. I think this is what I always expected. But it just shows when you get – you can have a great player, but if if a coach don't know how to coach him or, or, or get the maximize out of him or see what what they can do to help him really become the type of player that you know he can be, it makes a difference. So um, this thing just kind of fell right in line, I think, for Tua. And you're going to see more and more people like ball game used to always say was, uh, you know, people jumping on the bandwagon. And, and you see it now. I even saw this past week that I think, it's the first time in a long time that they sold out all their season tickets. So, you know, that, that speaks volume for itself. So definitely excited and 
I'm just looking forward to the progress and I'll be tuned in for the game tomorrow to see, you know, what the first group or how they're going to play, what they look like. So definitely excited. How you doing, Mr. Ball game? I am awesome. And I want to say to both of you, it's awesome being here with you. <laughs> I don't really like going back and forth with a whole bunch of people, man. But like, I think the biggest thing for me right now is just, I told people, patience, patience, patience. Everybody was out here talking about two ain't this, two ain't that. He's not going to be able to do this, not going to be able to do that. And I said, well, how you know that? Because we haven't been able to even see a healthy version of him. And now, full circle, he's healthy. And you brought in additional help that we didn't have for him. And now you're getting to see the best version, well, potentially, because he's still got some stuff to work through. But I think he's back. I think he's back to what I predicted. And a lot of us said, you know, just give him time to get his get the old version of him back, come to feeling good about himself and comfortable with his body again. And then we're seeing the, you know what I'm saying, we're seeing the results of that. But, you know, I get people being out here calling themselves fans. But at the same time, I don't think, how can you be a fan and want what's best for the team, but you're always taking shots at the guy that could potentially be the catalyst to prepare you to the next level and get you towards the things that you truly wanted for this team, which was getting to the playoffs and potentially get to a Super Bowl. I just, that just, that whole thought process never made sense for me. So I'm glad that he was able to go out and have the successful uh, have the success against this Bucks defense, which is arguably one of the best fronts and one of the best def- one of the best defenses in the league, and uh, shut a lot of these people up because you know I'm I, I don't really get into the whole quarterback thing, but I like the kid and the fact that he's uh, our quarterback at this point. Now I'm galvanized to him even more than I wanted to see him succeed anyway. But I was logically thinking to myself, Am I really gonna see the best version of him if he ain't 100 percent healthy? smart enough to wait and i'm just glad that he's here now being able to do this work on the field and i don't have to say anything to people but just say you know what i got your name down i'll pull up the receipts later but aside from that all is well i mean you know the, the crazy thing is um you know over you know just behind the sound of all of us who have believed in this kid celebrating yesterday because we got into joint practices, and you look at where we were against the Bears last year, you know, even down to Austin Jackson to what this offense looked like against the Bucks on day two. Far, far cry, okay? And people need to remember that. So beyond the people who, who believe in Tua and the sounds of us celebrating, what was it, a really good two days of joint practice when you combine them, um, <clears throat> you know, you could hear the back backpedaling and the shuffling. Mm-hmm. Of all the people who doubted and hated, and you know, and it's crazy. I don't know if you guys saw that throw that he missed to Cedric Wilson on day one, but everyone's making a big deal about it. It got like three million views on on one of uh, someone's tweet, like, and it's Cedric Wilson gets held, and so Tua misses a throw. But why is no one talking about all the throws that came out yesterday and Tua just absolutely shredding Carlton Davis and that defense? I mean. <clears throat> you know, they might have been missing some guys on offense, including Tom Brady, but it's not due to his job to be Tom Brady. That's the defense's job. His job is to go out and beat the their defense, and they had all their defenders were out there, including Vita Vea. Big facts. So, and they did that, and that's a top 10 defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you know what? 
it's not like they weren't showing up, boys, because guess what? We weren't running the ball real good, but we were slinging it around the field. I mean, I don't. I know you guys know who she is, but a girl, who, a woman in this industry, I respect a ton, Josina Anderson. Mm-hmm. Even she was saying, hey, two was out. She was at practice. She's like, two was out here slinging it right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I just, it, it's just, you look at, remember our first set, of joint practice last year against the Bears were a disaster. 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 Okay. We knew we were in for the same thing with this offense potentially that we were the year before. Now you look at what's happened and what a far cry and a beautiful thing. You know, Austin Jackson holding his own. So, you know, good, good positive stuff. But let's start off with the latest news on Steven Ross. And that is the fact that apparently the reason he's going to get his wish and Bruce Beal is being removed. Um, well, during the process of removing Bruce Beal as the one with first to write refusal, so the successor, and it looks like he's going to be leaving it to his daughter as the successor, and we'll talk about you know those specifics in a second. Um, but if anyone remembers, you know, I wanted um, Beal heavily fined and and removed, and, and removed, and yes. now here we go, we're getting it. Um, what are you guys' overall thoughts on this whole situation? And on top of that. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that the daughter takes over? And I mean in the sense of, you know, we know he's in his 80s, all right? So while he's alive, I'm sure he'll try and pull as many strings. But do you think it'll be one of those things where she sells the team when he passes away? Like, what what are you guys' feelings on not only Bruce Beal being removed, but his daughter being the potential owner and what that could mean for the future of the team? Yeah, I, I think I, I just look at it from, you know, to me, it's simple. You know, you can trust family. I think if he puts his daughter in place, he can still make power moves behind the scenes and nobody knows. Now, to say what she's going to do once her dad, you know, passes away or whatever, that's something totally different. But um, I think whatever decision she's making, I think he's going to be making them from behind the scenes. And you can do that with family. You know, we can go to dinner or whatever, you know, come over to the house and Hey, what you want done, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And you still running the team, even though you're supposed to be suspended. So, I mean, I probably do something similar to that. I, I put my daughter in, in place <laughs> to where I can know I still get done what I need to get done. So I, I think it's a smart move on on his on his end. And like you say, he's 80. And I can remember when right before I got there, I think Joe Roddy had passed away. And then um, his son, Tim Robbie, took over. But then um, the, the thing that really put the, the, the Robbie family, I think, in trouble was that the inheritance taxes and this and that. So yeah. you, need to, you need to set up something to transition it. Even if he leaves his daughter there, even after the, the suspension or whatever, as long as you can still do what you need to do and get done, it's smarter because it just makes more sense. So I don't, I don't have an issue with it at all. I thought it was a smart move, and it just shows he's a smart businessman, and he ain't made all this money being dumb, so he ain't from the start now. So I thought it was a smart move on his part. Yeah, I'm not at any point um, hating the move. I was along with you reason in regards to the bill because I just felt like dude was really posturing himself from behind the scenes to set himself up also, which – it's okay, but like not at the expense of the fans and expense of, you know, what I'm saying the players they're working diligently trying to take this team to the next level. 
And this dude, you know what I'm saying, arguably without a shadow, that was just reckless. And um, I'm glad that Stephen Ross got some sense about him and say, you know what, I can trust, like, like Richmond said, I can trust my daughter because this dude over here is the main reason why I can't even be around my team until October, mid-October. So as far as I'm concerned, and it's probably the best move Ross has made in shit, the last 10 years. So I'm good with it. I don't feel one way or the other about old boy other than he should have ever probably been in there after he would been completely reckless. Anyway, so. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think the daughter does with it? Do you think she sells it or do you think she keeps it in the family? I think she might. Truthfully, I think she might hold on for a little bit. Right? I mean, you know, there's no, she don't know what she don't know until she don't, you know, until she truly experiences it without her father being in her ear. You yeah, know, but he needs to leave her a big time you know, if he passes away, he needs to leave her a ton because isn't the uh, the fees for taking over the team are ridiculous? He got it. He right? got it. Yeah, you're right. But he got it. I, yeah. I know, but there was always the word that he was going to leave a lot of his money to like charities and foundations, not to his family. So this is quite the change, you know. I think sometimes. You go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Bob. It might be one of them situations that you know that was maybe his initial thought, but maybe maybe his relationship with her or something changed behind the scenes that made him feel like you know it's probably easier he can trust her. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. his promise about the money is one thing, but what he actually intends to do with it, and what actually what he does with it is another. And you know, if he's leaving the team to her. I mean, I imagine he wouldn't just leave it and then not have her set up to be successful with oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if he's leaving the team or, or making her the successor, he's clearly going to set her up financially so she can take it over. Yeah. I like Go it, ahead, Bo- uh, Richmond. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of agreeing with you guys. And, and the other thing is, like, even though she don't have um, probably a lot of knowledge as far as running a football team, I don't know, but if, if you're in business and you kind of understand that, the main thing you do is put good people in place. So whoever's going to be president, who is going to be your, you know, your GM, this and that, as long as you get the right people in place, I think you, you still can be successful and kind of learn, you know, glean from those guys, you know, on, on the fly, like the ball game said, but it's just, um, when you got money like that, you can, you can still be successful. You just gotta not let your ego get in the way and say, okay, well, I know more than I, I really do. And that's when you can really screw it up. So long as you kind of understand that my my knowledge in this area is limited, that I need to go out and hire the best to keep this thing going, then I, I think you can. But somebody offers her a crazy price or something like that, you just, <laughs> just never know. Because you got to think about it. Once a, a franchise, if they really turn this around, the, the – uh, the market for the Dolphins, the the value is going to skyrocket. So a lot of times you will say, "Hey, well, let's let's get out while the getting's good." Somebody going to give us a crazy price. Let's take it. So it, all that I think plays factors in it. But I think I would just say right now, and I don't know her or anything, but I think she would at least continue for a little bit, and uh, unless somebody just offered her some kind of absurd, you know, crazy price, and she'd be like, "Hey." Give me that cheddar, and I'm I'm gonna move on. Y'all can have it. So, Richmond, who's who's representing us behind the scenes? Because, uh, you know, Ross is out till October seventeenth. Beal suspended. Uh, is Fergie? 
out there as a, as a minority owner? Is, what, is Serena or Venus William as a minority owner? Nah, Mark Anthony? Nah. What's going on, bro? <laughs> I, I would say the daughter, when she made, when he named her, I pretty much say, hey, okay, everybody's going to report to her. Um, um, you know, with Chris Greer being the, the, um, the GM or whatever, anything that needs to be said, I think it'll be said to the, the daughter. And I'm sure. yeah. yeah, I think they're going to keep, I think they're going to keep, she's going to keep her daddy informed on what's going on, this and that. So he's not going to be out the loop for six weeks. I just don't see that. I mean, he'll yeah. he'll play by the rules, but he's not playing by the rules. So, I, And I get it. It's just smart. So He's just doing what Vince McMahon did before Vince McMahon stepped away, right? He put his daughter yeah, in place. Yeah, that's it. Definitely yeah. in place. Yeah. Literally yeah. what he did. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. all right, let's get into joint practices here. So, obviously, the first joint practice was on Wednesday. A lot of positive things came out of that in terms of the defense was real good with Tom Brady out there. They frustrated him. You know, they were just making great, great plays. Um, Julio Jones gave them the work in one-on-ones a little bit, but, hey, it's one-on-ones where the receivers always had an advantage. Um, now, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Chris Godwin were out on day two, and so was Tom Brady who's been excused. But the defense, for the most part, was still intact, and our offense was absolutely dominant that day passing the football, even the beat writers in Tampa Bay were just ooing and aahing and gushing over um, not only to his performance, but Skylar Thompson, guys. Skylar Thompson had a great performance as well, a guy out of Kansas State who he just really needed to work on his touch and placement and accuracy on the intermediate to deep level. It seems like he's really done a good job of working at that since OTAs and and rookie camp and training camp have started. You've seen some improvement. So it was a good day overall for the offense. I just want to start off here by getting what were you guys' impressions and feelings, especially coming off day two when our offense was just clicking. I mean, Carlton Davis is no joke. Sean Murphy bunting the other corner, he's not a bad player. You know what I mean? Um, what were your guys' overall thoughts on how our, our offense specifically compared to last year looked? And overall, our defense, again, had a – Another solid day on Thursday, the second day, other than a Giovanni Bernard run for like 38 yards for a touchdown, and he had another decently sized chunk gain. Other than that, our offense, which obviously shutting down Kyle Trask and the quarterbacks, and they weren't having a ton of success running the ball. What were you guys' overall impressions of the joint practices? What did you guys come away liking, maybe not liking? What were your impressions? My, my impressions were good from everything I heard. Um, I think the thing is, is, you know, sometimes training camp can be a grind. It's a little different now than when I played, you know, no two days or whatever, but it was always, by the time we start scrimmage against another team, it was always a breath, breath of fresh air because you just got tired of hitting the same guys and those your teammates and, you just trying to the do the days were long and grueling and you know your body sore so you're just trying to get through training camp but um i think the thing that was important for our offense was um working against another uh, team and then the coin like you say the first day and be you know have a really good showing and then being consistent i think that's the thing that's really got the buzz going around this football team is the consistency um, it's, it's totally different than last year. And I think everybody notices that. And like I said earlier, even to start getting comments from some of the Bucks players about, you know, Hey, this and that, it's almost putting the, putting the league on notice that, Hey man, we, 
when we play, you play the Dolphins, you're going to have to come up with something because they just got so many weapons. Even if you shut the run game down, I don't know if that's a good idea because they got so many weapons. You know, if you force them to throw, that might not be what you want to do. So um, it's almost like pick your poison, but it's always good this early in training camp, you know, before your press season game to really see your offense develop and really hitting on all cylinders because typically their training camp, most of the time, your defense is a little bit ahead of your offense, but, you know, everything I've been hearing on Twitter and, you know, the different analysts on like Fox Sports and um, ESPN and all that, everybody's, it's, it's the Dolphins is the talk of the town. And um, so I think that's really good and everybody's happy. So it's definitely, it's definitely good to hear it because it's like night and day compared to last year. Yeah, I think one of the key things for me is that I kept saying over and over again when people were stressing about stuff that was happening in our training camp against our own team was that, you know, guys don't really get it. You don't really get a full understanding of what you're going to look like or what your capabilities are when you're playing against guys that you're going to be having to go to war with because you don't want those guys to get hurt. You don't want to injure your own players. So, you know, I always preach caution and patience until you can line up against somebody else. And what I came out, what I came away from this week with this is that um, they are a lot further ahead. I think in terms of being able to um, really make a defense have to be on their heels and with Tyreek and Waddle bringing so much speed and Cedric being such a um, centerpiece of um, solidarity in the middle of the defense, I mean, the middle of the offense as that third receiver. And then um, Gasicki, who we didn't hear much about from our own training camps against each other, but sounds like they were really trying to um, get the ball to him. And he was, you know, fairly decent in the role that we need him to play. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense to the point where the issues or the concerns you had about the offensive line and things like that kind of shifted. And those guys can't really just pin their ears back and try to go out the tour because the ball's coming out fast and hot to the edges. Tyreek has proven one-on-one in a small space he can get loose just like Water can, and defense got a rally to that. So it kind of puts the defense in a really precarious space. And I like to hear that because – the Bucks defense is definitely, like I said, one of the better defenses in the league. Um, I left away from it really thinking to myself that if they can continue this type of momentum forward, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be just just as build, a, you know, a real solid team with a lot of weapons. And the weekend, week out, defensive coordinators going to have a hard time trying to figure out who to stop. And just when you think you've got one element stopped, there's somebody else showing up that's going to eat the next week, you know, that week right on you and you're starting all over again from scratch. So it's, it's crazy. Um, I know I would be, I sat up a couple weeks ago trying to figure out different ways of possibly being able to slow this thing down. And even I was sitting here thinking, you know what, I can take all three of these guys away, but Hill, I don't have anybody to match up with Hill or Better yet, I got a corner now. Okay, I could take Hill away, but shit, Waddle gonna kill me. And if I take Waddle and Hill away, then Gasicki and Wilson can kill me. Yeah, you know, it's it's and if you take all four, which nobody has the secondary to be able to deal with all four of these guys and shut them all down, 
the run game may just well pop. It's 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 a defensive coordinator's nightmare. And the fact that we were able to go out in such a short span of time and execute and practice against the Bucks the way we did, that's promising because McDaniels hasn't even fully started the he hasn't even fully I don't think he's even fully started the actual um installs of his actual true offense yet. This is just the outside layers of it. When you get into the intricate stuff, um, what's his name? Levante David said today, he said, I saw a thing that he was talking about the motions and how we talked about that a lot last year too. Why didn't, you know, when they got away from the motions, it kind of stalled the offense. But he was saying, if you don't have eyes, if your eyes aren't right, you could be screwed up to the point where. Yeah, he said, he said they forced you to have really great, really eyes, great eyes because yeah. of the misdirection and the consistent <laughs> motion, right? Like, this But that's something you already knew that was coming in, and you're right. You're seeing more of a vanilla base right now. They're not seeing – you know, they know the cameras are out, right? right. It's like it, – it's what I said when, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, they kicked out all the reporters halfway through practice, and then they went indoors. You know, mm-hmm. when the, when they went indoors is when the real stuff you want to see was coming out a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why, if you guys have noticed, other than the joint practices, right, they've gotten all of the days out of the way where fans are able to attend. Other than joint practices, fans can't attend normal practice now anymore. They're all done. They've it's gotten those dates out of those way, I'm pretty sure. Right? Because now they want to get into – they don't want people around, right? Because they know the media can't talk and the media won't release videos, right? So, I mean, because let's be honest, I'll tell you guys right now, because of inside the NFL, you know, whether it was the Tampa Bay practices, which I didn't think I would have anyone for, I ended up having two people, or whether it was our own practices open to the public, I was being able to see every two a throw without going to any of these joint practices or to the down to Miami for the actual training camp. I saw every two a throw in one-on-ones, 11-on-11s, and the majority of his seven-on-seven stuff. And that was just because people were there recording for me and sending it. Like, and, and then you guys saw on Twitter. People on Twitter had seen the most they had ever probably seen from Dolphins training camp this year on Twitter alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Go ahead. You, you, didn't see, you didn't see people posting like this last year. No. Yeah. No. It wasn't, yeah. Yeah, the excitement is real, eh, Richmond? Like, the the Mm -hmm. excitement is real right now. And I'm like, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, and like Ballgame said, to see this offense so efficient against base, you know, this, like, this is, like I was saying, they hadn't even got into the real offense. They just giving you, like, the basic stuff. And if they're executing with just, you know, they're not going to show their whole hand right now, which you already know, but. Yeah. Like you said, if you could be inside that bubble or whatever, whatever they're doing, you'd be like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, man. There's a lot to be excited about. So, um, all right. Um, what were your guys' overall takeaways? Um, you know, now we're heading into this preseason game, and it sounds like, Tua might not even be playing, and it sounds like Skylar Thompson might get the majority of the reps. Um, what are your guys' overall thoughts on that? And I want to ask you guys this. All right. 
The Adam Shaheen trade, we traded Adam Shaheen in the seventh for a six. It got voided due to a failed physical designation because of a knee injury he had. Um, but he didn't miss any time for it, but they failed they, they failed him. It's done, so he's coming back. So he's gonna get cut. We've been we've been in the, the trade talks with Lynn Bowden and Pre- and Preston Williams right now because they're on the outside looking in with probably, you know, our our, our six right now are you know, Hill, Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Izakama, Trent Sherfield, and then Braylon Sanders and River Craycraft probably fighting for that sixth spot. Um, when you look at all this now, Teddy Bridgewater, he's not playing this weekend. Potentially, they held him out for the majority of practice yesterday. That's usually not a good sign. Um, what are you guys' overall thoughts? If Skyler goes out and has a decent performance, they drafted this kid. You know, especially after practice on Thursday, he's no longer a secret. I don't know if they'll be able to sneak this guy to a practice squad here. He looks like he's better than Kyle Trask and any option the Bucks had behind <laughs> behind Tom Brady right now. So, wh- what were you guys' overall thoughts if someone offers a fourth or a fifth for Teddy Bridgewater? A quarterback goes down um, because you know this is a guy they drafted. They clearly believe in. What are your thoughts going into this this weekend with him probably getting the majority of the time? And what would you guys do with the with the Teddy Bridgewater Skyler thing if Skyler keeps improving week by week like he has been? Well, go ahead, go. Go ahead. Yep, I yep, think go ahead. I, I think at this point right now, right, with Skyler being and showing the promise that he's showing, like you said, if he continues this process and there's no drastic, you know, drastic fall off, I think you could take a chance on trying to flip Teddy to someone that needs a little bit more of a veteran presence because Scott doesn't have a lot of, I mean, he's getting the same teachings essentially from the quarterback coaches that Tua is getting. And if he's taken to it, then you could potentially have a guy that has no real flaws other than the fact that he just wasn't as highly touted. And you can have two good young quarterbacks on your roster and save that money that you'll be spending with Teddy. You could flip that and spend it somewhere else and be okay. You know, I don't think they have any major concerns about Tua and his durability now at this point with him being 100% healthy. So, the you know, and if, and if he is indeed outperforming Teddy like we've seen and, like you said, they held Teddy out, that might be an indication that maybe they don't necessarily want to risk Teddy getting hurt and they probably could be potentially looking to send him somewhere if – Somebody needs it. I don't think at this point nobody's arguing that QB1 is Tua, so let the kid play. That's what he needs anyway, right? So if he does come out here and he shines in the preseason games and all three, then he could be the guy, and I'm okay with it because then we save money on the back end by letting Teddy go somewhere else. Otherwise, you stand a chance of losing him, paying Teddy the money you got to pay him, you know, because he's not going to sit on the practice squad. I, I highly doubt not, someone's just going to just see him sitting there and then say to themselves, um, nah, we don't need him. That's crazy, especially with what Daniel Jones got going on in New York, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't mind Skyler. You know, I know who QB1 is. Uh, you, you can't ever have a solid – you know, can't ever have enough solid backups. And then the fact of the matter would be if he's outperforming the guy that you're paying, what is what is Teddy making, $10 million right now? Uh, I think he's making like five or six. Five or so. Whatever he's making, that's, that's six million you can put towards something else. So I'm okay either way, to be honest with you. I just think that, you know, 
the more the more reps he gets, and if he continues to flash, why not take the shot? You know. Yeah, Some just teams. my thing is, I don't know if you're going to be able to get him to the practice squad, and if this is a guy you can eventually turn in to like a third or a fourth round pick, like the Patriots used to do with Jimmy G and, right. and Garoppolo, and you can turn Bridgewater into something right now. That's kind of a big win, especially with we, we got to start recouping some losses here. You know what I mean? Right. And mm-hmm. it's all about keep developing him, and then people see more and more of him, you know, and God forbid two will get hurt. But if he had to come in, he won a couple of games. That definitely rises, you know, raises his, his value, and teams will call. But if he hits the practice squad, I thoroughly believe he's gone. What do you think about this then? Because, and, and Richmond, you can start off, and then I want to hear what Ballgame thinks about this. Because I agree with you, dude. And but what I, the pushback I get from people is, we're ready to win now. I don't want to hitch my wagon to a seventh round pick out of Kansas City if something, God forbid, happens to Tua. Teddy's a safer decision. Um, what, what would you think about that, Richmond? And then ball game. I want to hear what you think about that too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I was listening to what ball game was saying, and, and it made perfect sense. I think the thing that's good is it's like Tua doesn't have anything to prove, so. Uh, given scholar time, the playing time, I, I think the thing that you really evaluate um, in preseason is your one versus one. So if Skylar Thompson is given an opportunity to run with the first offense and he plays pretty well or consistent against the Bucks, you know, number one, this and that, that's, that's what you want to see. Like you say, Teddy's out. This is a perfect opportunity to see him, you know, any, he can look good if he came in, say, the third or fourth, fourth quarter, and he's playing against guys that's trying to make the team this and that. That's a little deceiving, but when you get from the, the start, put him in there, being a young quarterback, and it'll just let you know, okay, is he ready? Because, you know, um, the thing about working against a team, sometimes you can you can kind of say, okay, they like this play. If I see this formation, they might run this. So now you might have a DB trying to jump a route to see if he can, you know, grab a pick or something or see if he's – made that development to where he's not just staring down his receivers. This gives you an opportunity to put him in there with the ones and truly evaluate. And then after that, if it's stuff you need to correct and say, okay, you did good, but, you know, we're going to work on this. You know, you're staring down your receivers. You know, it's a lot. It's just totally different from playing college, making that adjustment. So, um, but if he continues to continue to get well, I I think it just makes – it puts pressure on Teddy because he can become more expendable. And so we can move this guy and like you said, recoup some of the, like you said, we lost the first and the third, but not saying you get a first round of it. You can get some quality draft picks, especially if somebody loses a quarterback and saying, Hey, uh, we're interested in this guy. So that definitely, that definitely can play a huge part. So definitely looking forward to seeing how he's going to play against uh, Tampa tomorrow night. I'll definitely be tuned in. Good boy. Daniel Jones is just thinking it up, man. You don't need a quarterback. I'm sorry. So, and it is what it is at this point right now. Bridgewater could probably go out there and win that job. So, hey, hey, let me let me let me ask you this ball game because I hadn't seen the Giants and I know Daniel Jones was a first rounder, and they actually hired the offensive coordinator from the Bills, correct? Yeah. So. does it look like he's struggling with the offense? It just looks like he's just not looking. It he's sound like he's, he's, okay. he's he has officially regressed. He's hit the wall earlier than expected, and he can't he can't work himself out of his issues right now. 
But, you know, the Giants, unfortunately, have done this to themselves with Saquon also. They've ruined two talents. Like, they taking Jones, in my opinion, was a reach anyway when they took him. But then they never really truly put the put the right people around them to build him. And now at this point where he is, it's just so many issues in terms of his technique. And are we talking and, about Daniel Jones or Noe Benogany right now? Oh, <laughs> there we go. You well, <laughs> I remember ball game. I want it all in one. I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> I, oh, man. I don't care about the one-on-one, though. So. Yeah, I got to say this, though. That boy, as I call him on my channel, Trilla! Man, Trill Williams, he is balling right now, man. That kid is taking that next step. He's going to be something in this league, I think. Trill's going to be something, man. Yeah, that, that, that kid's a stud and a half, man. Um, and I got to say this, too. I got to give a lot of props to our our front. You know, our front have been doing a damn good job. Melvin Ingram and Jalen Phillips coming off the edges right now. That's one of the few things I read into with that initial depth chart release was Melvin Ingram over AVG because that's what you basically heard coming out of camp, whether you've talked to people there or read the reports online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think uh, – and let's be honest. I felt like AVG, he, for some reason, he's far more impactful in a rotational role. Right, like if you look at his him last year compared to the year before, a few years before that when he was in rotation, he was just for some reason, you know, less snaps means more productivity for him. So I don't know. Like I think and Melvin Ingram, man, not only can he rush the passer, but he can set the edge. The guy does so much, and I think uh, I think we're gonna get a good year out of Melvin Ingram. I think it's gonna be one of the more underrated signings. You know, I think it's a good thing for Andrew because now Andrew actually still gets to have a, a role on the team, but he gets to learn because he doesn't have a lot of moves. So watching or learning from Ingram could help him develop some as well because he doesn't – Phillips has some natural given talent in that aspect, but not so much with AVG. You know what I mean? He's just head, headstrong first. You know what I mean? His step is straight through the guy. You know what I'm saying? Not a lot of flash in terms of hand movement and wiggling his hips and stuff. So maybe he can pick up something from Melvin. No, hmm. I don't I don't I don't mind it. You know what I mean? I think yeah the more pass rushes you can have with guys can, can do multiple things, the better off your front can be. So yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um so guys, before we get out of here, what are some key things you're looking for tomorrow? I mean, on my end, I'm looking for a scholar, you know, just be smart with the football. You know what I mean? Just don't be dumb with it. Um no hero ball. Yeah, exactly. Be smart with the football, make the throws when they present themselves. I, you know, I'm really – my eyes are going to be locked on the trenches on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I want to see this offensive line action. I'm really curious to see Eichenberg get some reps. Um, you know, I heard uh, – you guys, if you didn't know, um, you know, we did a two-minute drill and Taron Armstead was out and they had Larnell Coleman in and two got us inside the red zone, inside the 10, and then Shaq Barrett had two straight sacks on Larnell Coleman. So I'm going to be really interested to see how the run game and the offensive line work. Um, defensively, we pretty much know what we got. You know, I'm just going to be watching, obviously, what Noah and Trill do with the reps they get. Um, and I want to see Channing Tindall out there. So what are you guys looking for? What are you expecting? 
tomorrow because at the end of the day, the score doesn't matter, right? So what, 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 are, you, what are you guys looking for? What are you expecting tomorrow uh, for the first preseason game? I'm definitely paying attention to the trenches. Um, like you said, um, that was, I think, the thing that was just glaring last year for us that really caused issues along with, you know, we had a lot of wide receiver issues, but we definitely got to get things fixed up front. So um, definitely paying attention to that. And I think I heard this week, I know Connor Williams been working at center, but um, maybe he had a couple of shotgun snaps that was a little high. So just every day, brother, every day he's had, he's had at least two. Yeah. So, you know, fixing that issue, this and that, because that's that's huge. You know, you snap the ball over the quarterback's head. That can kill a drive, swing the momentum. It could be a, a turnover or whatever. So, but can I add this get... into what you're saying? None yeah, of them have been in the ground. None have been in over the head. Well, I mean, two, I had to fall on one. But the thing okay. is, when we're in our West Coast offense, our passing offense, right, mm-hmm. we're such a timing, rhythm-based offense that, sure, not timing isn't gonna, and rhythm isn't going to have to be perfect on every play, but – on a play where you're going to need it on third and long and the rhythm and the timing needs to be perfect, you can't afford a high snap or snap to the side that the quarterback's going to jump for and that throws everything off, even if it isn't a fumble or a a bad snap over the head. Am I correct? No, no, no. I, I agree. And and like you said, you know, this is preseason, but you want to get this fixed now because yeah. you don't want to be on the road, say like at Baltimore, and it's, you know, 70,000 fans screaming loud, this and that. And you got to go on silent count. Not only can you screw the quarterback, you can screw everybody else. So you've got to get that fixed, you know, get that fixed during the preseason. And uh, I'm interested now hearing all this positive talk about Skylar Thompson. I definitely want to see him and see how he runs with, with the, uh, with the first team and stuff like that. So those are the two main takeaways. I'm not really concerned about the defense. I think our defense is going to be fine. But um, this is, you know, I think the receivers are fine, this and that. So I just want to see these are the two main things that are sticking out to me that I'm going to be paying attention to. I think for me, I want to see um, how, how how involved they are in trying to commit to this run game. Um, I don't care who running the ball, but I want to see some nastiness up front from the guys um, on the line of scrimmage, uh, offensive line, obviously. And then Hunter Long, man. Mm. I really need to know what we got in this young kid, man. And, you know, reps, if if he if he's going to get the lion's share carry, you know what I'm saying, lion's share of the reps, then um, I need to see some flash from him because, you know, I, I hadn't been much said about him, you know, and – I haven't been much said by any other tight ends other than that one kid. What's his name? Um, the one oh, that Tanner converted Connor? from wide receiver Tanner to Connor. Tanner Connor. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, spend a second round pick on this kid, man. He, he need to at least show that some of this coaching that he's getting from the new coach brought in is going to actually translate over because it's supposed to be the future. And if they let Mike go, Mike got ten reasons to feel like he's he's loved, is what um McDaniel said. Well. If they decide to go a different route, somebody got to step up, and I need to see, you know, I want to see him. I want to see what Hunter Long got. Yeah, for sure. I'm not so much worried about the defense. Um, I think any of the stuff that they experience with the Bucks in terms of the long runs or whatnot, they can fix that up. That's just staying true to the scheme and a little bit more conversation up front to close off some of the gaps that they may have given. So 
I'm not concerned about the defense at all. It's for me, it's it's um, the run game and tight ends. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Final thoughts before we get out of here. No, just a hey, fo- football is live tomorrow. First preseason game for the right. Dolphins. Uh, definitely excited, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So. Uh, it is officially started. Probably a couple games on tonight. I'm going uh, to check them out. Other than that, that's it. I'll be uh, hitting those of you out there up that had all the negative stuff to say. I'll be hitting y'all up soon with the receipts. <laughs> the ball game's going to be losing some friendships at that rate. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm 50 years old, bro. I don't need a whole bunch of dead weight around me anyway. So I'm boy. good. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll be back here next week. We'll look at what happens in the preseason game Saturday between the Bucks and the Dolphins, and uh, we'll look ahead towards the next preseason game um, and some joint practices will be going on. So a lot of yeah. stuff as we continue on. And don't worry, we'll be back to our game preview section and our prediction section when the games actually matter, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, until then... Everyone, stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, fins up all day, every day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.